Now, this morning, I want you to take your Bibles, please. We're going to pick this up where we left off last week. Uh, We started this series on discipleship last Sunday, looking at uh, an authentic disciple's profession of faith. What are the evidences of a genuine transformation uh, that happens when we come to the Lord Jesus by faith? And now we want to look at this next paragraph, which deals with the authentic disciples' prayer life. And uh, it's very important that we as disciples cultivate a prayer life that is meaningful and acceptable to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I'm convinced that authentic disciples are those who look forward to conferencing with God, not as a last resort, but as a first response So many times we as the people of God, we're in situations we don't know how to get out of them and we try in our own energy, in our own flesh to to resolve the issue or to get out of the situation in which we're in. And then finally we turn to God and then we ask God to intervene. We ask God to do something for us. But what an authentic disciple is all about, he doesn't wait uh, to uh, plead his case before God. He goes to God as a first response. And uh, it's very interesting as we take a look at this particular passage here this morning, uh, we discover that the Apostle Paul uh, had a marvelous prayer life. He modeled a wonderful prayer life and he's encouraging the Colossians now who are embarking on this life of discipleship also to develop this kind of a prayer life. In fact, this prayer that Paul is praying for the Colossians I believe is something all of us need to be praying for, especially when we don't know what to pray for. You ever had those periods in your life where it's hard to pray and you don't know how to uh, reach out to God and you wonder, what should I say to God? Well, Colossians chapter 3, beginning here at verse 9 through verse 14, you can put a circle around that paragraph and when you don't know what to pray for or how to pray, this would be a marvelous prayer. In fact, I find out that Praying scripture is one of the most important things that we can ever do. Well, you notice that Paul is very intentional in his prayers for the Colossians. He says in verse 3, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when, not if, but when we pray for you. And he's so thankful for the transformation that has happened in their lives. And he reminds the the folks here that he prays repeatedly, he replay, prays habitually for them. There's not a day that passes that Paul is not praying for the growth and the development and the nurturing of the saints there at Colossae. He not only prays repeatedly or habitually for them, he also prays thankfully. He says, we thank God because God brings you to our minds. And I, I, just, I just want to say something from my heart to every single one of you. I'm so thankful for you. Every day I think about East Bay Calvary, and I think about how God's at work in our hearts and how he's at work in our lives. And I'm filled with thanksgiving because I see what God is doing in knitting our hearts together and molding us and making us into an army that can win the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to give thanksgiving for our brothers and our sisters in Christ. The more we are thankful in our prayer life and the more we are praiseful and the more we model this kind of a prayer life, 
uh, I think the stronger we're going to be in our walk with the Lord Jesus. He's so thankful for their progressive faith, for their powerful love, for their positive hope, and their productive life. These are the realities that mark out their faith as genuine. But then thirdly, he not only prays for them repeatedly and thankfully, he prays for them specifically. He has one specific prayer that is on his mind for the Colossian people. You see this in verse 9. For this reason, on the basis of how God's at work in your life, because God's doing something new and fresh in you on a daily basis, for this reason, since the day we heard about it, we have not stopped praying. Notice the words. We've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with a knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What a powerful prayer to be praying that the people of God who've been transformed by the grace of God and who have been changed by the power of God that they would be daily filled with a knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding this is a powerful statement that we need to be praying for it's something we ought to be praying for on a daily basis that every day we are filled with the knowledge of God's will. And when we're filled with the knowledge of God's will, we will not only know the mind of God, we'll not only have the wisdom that God provides, but we'll also be filled with understanding, we'll have the ability to carry it out. You know, it's one thing to ask for God's wisdom, it's another thing to receive it and then to carry it out, and here he's praying that the people of God, as they grow deeper in their walk with God, that every single day they are filled repeatedly again and again with the knowledge of God's will. And these are <clears throat> the things that we need to be praying about. He prays that they might be filled up, the sense of that word is to be filled up completely to be filled up thoroughly with a knowledge of God's will. And uh, let me tell you, <clears throat> walking every day in an awareness of God's will is one of the, the greatest places we can ever be. Uh, so many times we <clears throat> think that God's will is some, some ethereal thing out in, the, uh, in cyberspace. God's will is found in the word of God. And the more we are walking in obedience to the word of God and filling our minds with God's truth on a daily basis, we are filling our minds with that truth that transforms us and the wisdom of God that he longs to impart to us. So Paul is unceasing in his prayer for the Colossian believers, and he says he's not stopped praying for them. Sometimes... God puts a burden on our hearts, and we don't see the results right away, and what do we do? We stop praying. How many times are there situations in life where we come to the Lord, we ask of the Lord, and we want God to do something new and fresh in our lives, and it doesn't happen right away, and then we stop praying. Paul says he has never stopped praying on a regular basis, that this congregation that he deeply loves be filled to the full every single day with the knowledge of God's will. Can you imagine the transformation that happens when we are praying that kind of a prayer for our brothers and sisters in Christ on a regular basis? When we seek God's will daily in prayer, 
we will discover that the Christian life is the best life to live. And as we get into this passage, we see the amazing results that come into our lives when we are daily filled with the knowledge of God's will. First of all, notice, he says, we will experience a life of purpose. (laughs) Verse 10, notice, and we pray this, in order that. Now, when you ever see in order that, your, your eyes and ears ought to perk up. In order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. Why are we to be praying this kind of a prayer? He wants us, the Lord Jesus wants us, Paul is encouraging us to be people who live lives worthy. That expression in the original means God's desire for us as disciples of Jesus Christ is that our lives carry the very same weight as that of the Lord Jesus. Jesus was authentic. He was real. He was a person of integrity. He was a man that, of course, he identified with us as human beings. He's also God. But he also is encouraging us as transformed individuals to be in a lifelong pursuit after Christ's likeness. He wants us to grow more and more like him every day. He wants us to experience his presence and his power. And so one of the results of of praying this prayer is that we will engage in purposeful conduct. We will live a life worthy of the Lord. Secondly, he encourages them to live a life with priorities that are purposeful. He says, notice, he says, I want you not only to live this life <clears throat> pleasing or uh, uh, worthy of the Lord, but I want you to please him in every way. This must be our priority. When our priorities in life are not to please ourselves, not to please someone else, but to please God, it settles an awful lot of issues. It clears up our priorities really quick, but our main ambition is to please God, and when that is our main ambition, it comes out of a prayer life where we are constantly being filled with a knowledge of God's will. We are able to be pleasing to him as well as to others. We please him in every way. In other words, authentic disciples Uh, uh, begin to just model Jesus. Uh, They have one ambition, and that is to please him. It's very interesting that when we want to please the Lord Jesus, we also want to be accountable to him. Romans chapter 14 and verse 12 says, So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. The priority of pleasing God is a direct result of praying this prayer. When we are praying this prayer and we're living this life and our prayer life is deepening, we will want to live a life worthy of the Lord. We'll want to please him. And thirdly, this kind of a life will evolve into purposeful service. Notice he says, these kind of disciples are bearing fruit in every good work. Another means means their lives are productive. Their lives are counting for Christ. Authentic disciples filled with the knowledge of God's will. 
don't have to be finagled in the service. They look for opportunities. They love to serve. They love to be involved in the work of God. They, they, they don't want to be just pew warmers. They, they want to actually be servants, humble servants that are engaged serving others. It comes out of a prayer life where we are daily being filled with a knowledge of God's will. And not only <clears throat> does God help us as we serve, and sometimes the service may be some small endeavor, but if we are faithful in the small things in life, God will always entrust us with greater things. Every experience that you have in serving Jesus is always preparation for another step, okay? And that's the beauty of serving Jesus. He's, everything you do now is preparation for the next step to keep on serving him with all of your heart and with all of your life. So that <clears throat> a life of purpose becomes central as we are filled with the knowledge of God's will. Then secondly, not only will we experience a life of purpose, we will experience a life of power. Notice verse 11, he puts it this way. He says, being strengthened, Notice, with all power, put a circle around this, all power according to. Now, whenever you see according to, again, your antenna, your spiritual antenna ought to perk up. Strengthened with all power according to his, notice, glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to God the Father. Now, it's very interesting as we take a look at this, how many times do we feel powerless? We're facing situations that are more than we can handle. We're in a situation that just totally blows us away. It may have blindsided us. We're in a situation where two and two don't add up to four, they add up to five or six. And, and, and we're in this quandary. We don't know what to do. We don't know which way to turn. Many times in those kind of situations, we only think about ourselves instead of the other individual or the other person. But when we are filled with a knowledge of God's will and we're asking him to fill us with his will, he fills us, notice, with his mighty power. With all power, notice, according to his Glorious might. Now, that word might also is a reference to the resurrection power of God that Paul refers to over in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, where he says that we experience the might of his resurrection strength. But in this passage, he's not talking about resurrection power. He's talking about being strengthened according to Christ's Glory, God's glory. He's speaking about the manifested excellence, the greatness of God's revealed might. Friends, you and I are serving a mighty big God. Do you believe it? Oh, that was weak. Do you believe it? Oh, there you go. We have a mighty big God. He's not bothered by the things that bug us. Do you realize that when we're all in a snit and we don't know what to do, God's in control? He's got it all figured out. And what he wants us to do is to call on him so that he can empower us and strengthen us with his great 
glory, which refers to the almightiness of who he is. God strengthened us not only according to the resurrection power of God, but according to his glory, his great glory, the power that created the universe. It's an unlimited supply of power and strength that is at our disposal as we ask God every day to fill us with a knowledge of his will. I remember when I was back in the dark ages, when I was going to seminary, uh, <clears throat> I had finished every, every course requirement except Hebrew. And uh, to get the degree, I had to take a year and a half of Hebrew. And so the only way I could graduate was to take a year and a half of Hebrew in a summer course for six weeks. So I had to cram a year and a half of Hebrew into six weeks. And I would go to class every day for about four or five hours, go home and study Hebrew, Hebrew, Hebrew. And then on Saturdays, we'd have a test. Oh my goodness. I mean, I, 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 I go to bed at night reciting the Hebrew alphabet. I, Sandy thought I was speaking in tongues. Uh, I mean, I was so consumed. With, I mean, this just, how am I ever going to get through this? And it was in those moments when I was so weak and I felt so helpless. I didn't know what to do. All I would be able to do is cry out and say, God, help me. You ever prayed that prayer, Lord? Help. (laughs) I want to be strengthened by your glorious might. Your glory. I need that more than anything else. And you know what? God enabled me to persevere. God enabled me to do what I thought I could never do, and I was able to complete that course, not only complete it, but also develop a love for that Hebrew language that drove me crazy. See, that's how God works. Now, what are the results of this powerful supply? God gives us this power. What are the results? Notice, he says, according to his glorious might, and here's, Two other key words, so that. Whenever you see so that, that tells you something good is coming. So that you may have great endurance and patience. Now, don't let those words skip by. You know, one of the problems we have in our Bible study and even in our Bible reading, we just read words. We don't understand them many times. And what the apostle is saying here is that when God strengthens us with this abundant supply of power that is beyond anything we can gin up humanly, he gives us, in the midst of these problems, in the midst of these difficulties, he gives us endurance. He gives us perseverance, especially with reference to things that are on the outside. In other words, when our faith as authentic disciples is questioned, we won't falter. When temptation comes, we will not give in. When difficulties and hardships come, we will not grow bitter. Authentic disciples strengthened by God's power do not lose heart when the going gets tough. And friends, 
many of us, even today, are going through some tough times. God wants us to develop this quality of endurance. You've heard me say this over and over again. The key words in our Christian experience are obedience and endurance. Obedience. The more we obey, the greater will be our endurance, and the more we endure, the more open we are to keep on obeying all that God is teaching us. So, when we're strengthened with his glorious might, the strength of an awesome God, he not only gives us great endurance when dealing with circumstances that are beyond us, but he also, notice the text, it's right there. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not fabricating this, it's right in the book. I mean, you see it right there. Endurance, notice, and begins with the letter P. What was that again? Patience. And patience has no reference to outside forces, but it has reference to dealing with difficult people. Very unique word in the original. God only enables us to endure outside forces that would seek to derail us, but as he strengthens us with this awesome power, He gives us the ability to be patient with one another. Instead of reacting to one another, we learn to respond to one another. We don't get easily provoked. We don't go and become angry. Instead, we learn to bear with each other in love. Patience is not something that comes easy. (laughs) But it is something that I believe God gives to us as we lean into him in prayer and experience this strength. This is a spiritual fortitude that comes from the living God that enables us to endure difficult circumstances and to get along with, with people that sometimes rub us the wrong way. Well, some of you say, oh, Oh, pastor, you don't have any idea what I'm dealing with. Oh, my. You don't know the kinds of people I have to work with, have to interact with. Friends, the problem is not your environment, and it's not your co-workers. The problem is we don't see God in prayer in those situations. We try to handle it all humanly. And we fumble the ball. When we take matters into our own hands, things go from bad to worse. Have you discovered that? When you try to figure things out on your own, let me tell you, things don't fly very well. But when we humble ourselves and we seek God's face in prayer and we ask him to fill us with a knowledge of his will, he does for us what we could never do for ourselves. So a life of purpose, a life of power, and thirdly, when we pray this prayer to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, he gives us a life of praise. Notice, joyfully giving thanks, verse 12, to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom 
of light. Now, as we go through these last couple of verses in this paragraph, Paul tells us that as we humble ourselves before God, as we seek his will in prayer, he qualifies us. Notice, he qualifies, he makes us fit or he makes us competent to experience and share in the inheritance of the saints of the kingdom and light. Do you realize that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are heirs of God and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus? We're the richest people alive. God's preparing an inheritance for us. Even now, the Bible says, it's being prepared. It's reserved in heaven for us, according to the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Very interesting. So we have a life of praise. Notice, we joyfully give thanks, first of all, to God the Father. He's qualified to give us something we could never provide for ourselves. He's provided for us a heavenly inheritance. And the second reason for praising God the Father is not only that he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Notice also verse 13, underline it in chartreuse, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Are you happy about that? He's delivered you. He's rescued you. You see, when Jesus came in, he performed the greatest rescue known to man. He rescues us from our sins, he takes us out of darkness, and he places us into light, and when we are filled with the knowledge of God's will, we can never forget Calvary. See, you see what happens when, when we get all tied up in all the, the nitty-gritty and the nasty here and now, we forget about all that Christ has provided for us. We get so focused on ourselves and our problems and our difficulties and we forget about the inheritance. And we forget about this great rescue that God has provided for us, pulling us out of the, the pit of hell and introducing us to the kingdom of his dear son. That's why we're going to be joyful believers. We as believers, we have so much to rejoice about. We're sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's preparing a place for us. He's rescued us. And he's placed us into the kingdom of the Son in which he loves. And then he gives us not only two reasons for praising God the Father, but he gives us three reasons, or excuse me, <clears throat> uh, two more reasons for praising Christ the Son. Notice. The kingdom of the son he loves, verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption is something that refers to the buying back of a slave. Making someone free by the payment of a ransom. And you see, that is what Jesus did for us. He died in our place. 
He took our sin. The Bible says he bore our sins in his body on the tree. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, you and I were participants because of our sins. He bears all of our sins. But he's redeemed us. He set us free. What does the Bible say? If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be what? Ah, there you go. You're free indeed. See, that's what it's all about. We experience this redemption. We're so happy. We're so thankful. His blood cancels the sin debt and removes guilt. His blood keeps on cleansing and renewing and purifying us. And then the second reason for praising the Son, notice, and I love this, he provides forgiveness. Forgiveness is a beautiful word. It refers to a release from bondage. It means to send away, bid go or depart. My friends, when Jesus died on the cross, he gave sin and Satan a knockout blow. Sin has been forever defeated. Selfishness, focusing on ourselves, all that stuff, Jesus destroyed at the cross. He forgives us. Man, I'm so thankful. Aren't you glad that he didn't keep a record of wrongs? How many times do we as the people of God, you know, somebody offends us or we get into a little conflict or a little snit? We, oh, man, we got a whole list of offenses. <laughs> Jesus forgives, and the Bible says he removes our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west, and he doesn't bring it up again. Who brings up our past transgressions? The enemy. You don't listen to the enemy. He's a liar. He's the father of all lies. We listen to our advocate, who is who? Jesus. Jesus Christ, the righteous. In Leviticus chapter 16, we have a beautiful illustration of what forgiveness is. On the Day of Atonement, the people of God would gather and they would offer a sacrifice. And they would sacrifice two goats on the altar. One goat was sacrificed on the altar as a visual symbol that their sins were being atoned for by the blood of that animal. When Jesus Christ died, you didn't have to repeat any of these animal sacrifices, but back then, they had to repeat it over and over and over again. They would sacrifice a lamb on the Day of Atonement. And then they would take another lamb, and the priest, after sacrificing the first lamb on the altar, he would then go over to the other lamb, and he'd confess all the sins of the people on the head of that lamb. And then that lamb, the priest would lead it out through the camp, and release him into the wilderness. Tradition tells us that when the people saw that lamb upon whom all these sins had been confessed, that they kicked at the lamb and they, they spit at the lamb because they recognized all that sin was being taken from them. That's the beauty of forgiveness. When God forgives, he remembers our sins. What does the Bible say? No more. Those are the things we have to be thinking about when life comes in and begins to crush us 
and we forget about all that we have because we belong to the king. I don't know about you. I find myself praying this prayer almost on a daily basis. Lord, I want you to fill me anew today with a knowledge of your will. I want to live a life worthy of you. I want to please you. I want to experience your resurrection might. I want to see your power released in my life so I can get along with people that rub me the wrong way. I want you to just fill me with your might so that I can deal with situations that are bigger than I can handle. And Lord, I want to be a thankful person. I'm so thankful that you've taken me out of darkness. You've placed me into light. You saved me. You've forgiven me. You've given me hope. Those are the ingredients in an authentic disciple's prayer life. But you know, friend, our greatest personal need is also our most difficult problem. Let me put it another way. We know that prayer works, but many of us don't work at prayer. Many times, the only time we cry out to God is when we're in, a, in trouble. He wants us to nurture an ongoing love relationship with him. He wants us to fall deeply and deeply and deeply in love with Jesus. And the more we love him, the more we will lean into him with our prayer life. Let's not exhaust ourselves by trying to face life in the energy of the flesh. Let's experience the joy that comes as we are daily filled with a knowledge of God's will. Let's stand together, shall we please, for closing prayer. Father in heaven, we love you. What a powerful passage. Lord, help us to, to, to pray this prayer. Uh, it's a prayer that comes, I believe, from the heart of the Apostle Paul for the people at Colossae, but it's a prayer that I believe you want to take root in every single one of us, that we would come before you daily. <laughs> Lord, we're so weak. We are so fragile. We mess up so easily. But you want to empower us with resurrection strength. You want to give us your glory. You want us to experience how amazing you are. And that only happens, Lord, as we respond to you as our first response Lord teach us to love you more and as we leave this place may we be determined to keep on growing deeper and deeper into the love of Jesus bearing fruit and increasing 
and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of God, and that sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and evermore we pray. Amen. Good morning. And Maranatha, lo he comes. Have a great day in Jesus.